Hey, what's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast, part of the almighty baller network of podcasts. You can find us on iTunes, uh, on Stitcher, everywhere else for your podcast needs, as well as at blazersedge.com. I'm Dan Morang, and normally I'm joined by Tara Bowen Biggs, but I'm flying solo as a host today because I've got one of my dudes, my guy. I don't know. Can I, can I call you my, my, my mentor now? you like my uh, my Yoda, Chad. Chad doing here from 620 a.m. And the Rip City Drive, Chad, what, what say you? Can, can you be my Yoda? Uh, I can be whatever you need me to be. <laughs> whatever title you want to drop on me, I'm perfectly okay with that, man. I'm just uh, happy to be here and always excited to talk about some Trailblazer basketball. All right, man. Well, you know, you and I, we talked a ton this offseason. Like, what are we going to see from this team? How are we going to come out of the gate? You know, what's the schedule going to look like? We're 10 games in. What's what's your overall feel for this the six and four team as uh, as they come out of the gate? Well, you know, uh, I don't. I can only speak for myself. I, I have extremely high expectations for several guys on the team this year and for this group as a whole. I uh, going into the season, I made it very clear where I was at with this group. I expect fifty wins. I expect single digit losses at home. I expect. Uh, the Blazers to make the playoffs and I expect a 12 and four start after the first 16 games of the year because they dedicated themselves uh, to getting off to a fast start. So uh, they've got some work to do to reach that 12 and four mark. Uh, but those are my expectations. As far as the group, um, they are competing better on the defensive end of the floor. It's still um, not perfect and they've got a lot of work to do. But I think we can say through 10 games that the effort has been more consistent on the defensive end of the floor. That's a good thing because we knew going into uh, the season they were, they were going to have to be better defensively. I think the key for them, Dan, defensively is just it's a daily commitment uh, as individuals on the team and as a group that, hey, we're going to go out and we're, we're, we're making a choice to commit ourselves to the defensive uh, end of the floor. We're going to sacrifice and we're going to pay a price. I think it's important that they do that day to day because being a better defensive team is not a one time commitment when you show up uh, in training camp. So very happy with the defensive uh, effort. Um, I've been very impressed so far with the play of Ed Davis off the bench, his rebounding. And now that he's healthy and he's got both arms, we can see the impact that he's made. So I think he's been a pleasant surprise. And over the last couple of games, we're finally getting a good taste of the big three, um, you know, in terms of Dame, CJ, and Nurk and the potential that they have. But I would say the brightest of all things that this team has done so far has been rebounding. They're the best rebounding team in the league. They rebound well as a team. And when you can do that, uh, you can control the tempo. You force teams on the defensive glass to make their first shot. And on the offensive end, you, you can survive a poor shooting night because you're getting second and third opportunities on the glass. The rebounding has been very impressive. And they, they have the makings of a group, especially with Nurkic in there and Ed Davis off the bench to be the best rebounding team in the league for an entire season. And if that's the case, they're going to be in a good position. Yeah, I mean, you, you basically hit on all the hallmarks for the team so far this season. The the calling card, or not necessarily the calling card, the the the, the bell so to speak, that was being rung all off season was a commitment to defense. But we've heard that before, right? I mean, that's that's yes. that's kind of been an, an, an empty promise, so to speak. Um, what do you think changed? Because it's easy to say we're going to commit to X, Y, and Z, but to actually make the transition and make it happen on the court, what what was the realization or the change or the spark that all of a sudden? Because the personnel is still the same. The scheme is still the same. What in your mind changed that allowed the defense to all of a sudden be effective? 
Well, I think number one, having a, a true center in there, especially starting the year with a true center in Nurkic is a big help because of his, his size and his rim protection. And he brings toughness, which I think is critical. But I think the big thing was a couple of weeks ago, Damian Lillard was discussing defense and the improvements on that end of the floor. And he, he said during the offseason that he had a chance to go through all the games, especially the playoff series against Golden State. And he recognized in that series where while he did some good things, he recognized play after play after play where he could have done this or he could have done that or he could have played harder. He could have given more effort. And I think that's really what it comes down to. That it's no secret the weak links on this team with the defense are it's their backcourt, CJ and Dame. And my big concern last year was, do they really understand how bad they are defensively? Because if they don't know and they don't recognize it because they live in this bubble, then how, if you don't re recognize how bad you are, then why are you going to have an incentive or the motivation to go out and improve? Uh, I thought maybe, hey, maybe they need to hire a defensive coach or somebody that can be the bad guy because Terry Stotts cannot be that guy. He needs to have a good relationship with his stars. But Dame obviously recognized uh, on his own time, which is great. He recognized that, you know what, um, I've got to be better on that end of the floor because if I'm not, I can't hold my teammates accountable as the captain if they know I'm not paying the price defensively. And I believe this in life and in basketball. Dame had that moment where he looked himself in the mirror and said, you know what, I'm not the man on the defensive end of the floor and I've got to get better. And I think that's, I think the self-awareness is probably the biggest thing along with the encouragement from the coaches and having a true rim protector in Nurk. But uh, they're only going to go as far defensively as Dame and CJ are willing to sacrifice on that end of the floor. I don't expect them to be the best stoppers in the league, but they have to be more consistent at giving an effort so that we don't see so many straight line drives at the rim that, 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 that compromises the defense. And so far, Dame and CJ, why not perfect? They've been much more effective in terms of their effort. I think that's going to go a long ways uh, to improving this defense because if Dame is paying a price, Dan, and he's out there busting his backside, then he can look to all his teammates. Mm -hmm. And when your captain's doing it, then everybody else is going to fall in line because if Dame's out there busting his ass defensively, then you better do it as well or he's going to be able to get up on you and say, hey, what's the deal? You're not paying the price. And I think that's critical. It's about leadership. And I was very relieved when I heard Dame mentioned that he went back and recognized that he wasn't where he needed to be. That type of self-awareness is what makes people great. And now we've got 10 games of a much better effort, and they've just got to continue to recommit so that we can get uh, 10 games, 20 games. And before you know it, we're midway through the uh, season, and guys are still out there giving a good effort. That's the key, and, and I'm very happy that they have some self-awareness to recognize it. You know what? We're great on the offensive end, but if you want to be recognized as a great player in this league, you got to be able to do it on both sides. You hit on two things there that I think that are, are really key in this. And the first one is that it's the defense isn't going to go as far as Nurkic takes them because Nurkic is going to be good on that end just by nature of True. being big, like just by eating yes. space and being who and what what, what he is. He, he's going to improve yep. the defense because the, the Blazers don't have anything else that can replicate that effect. But the fact that it's it hinges on Damian Lillard. Because he's involved with more plays than anybody. He's Absolutely. the he's the point of attack. He's he's the weak link, so he's the guy they're gonna single out, night in, night out. So his dedication to that side of the floor is really what the, the barometer and the bar that can be set for Portland's defense. And so far I think in nine out of ten games, he's he's committed. I think there's only been one game where you can say, Hey, he looked like he took the night off a little bit. And if you're yes. get if you're yes. getting ninety percent out of Dame you're living with that, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, he, he has a lot of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. He and CJ both on the offensive end of the floor. So I think it's unrealistic to expect them to give you a hundred percent effort at all times on both sides of the floor uh, every night. But if you can give me much more like 90%, then you're going to take that because 90% is a lot better than probably the 20 or 30% that they've given you the last couple of years. Exactly. Um, they, they have to give you much more. And if they do, it puts everybody else on the defensive side of the floor in a better position because they're fighting to get through picks. Uh, they're, they're chasing down shooters. Uh, they're getting into passing lanes. And, and as a whole, that's going to help out because you know as well as I do that that type of effort on defense will lead to transition points, which will get the team easy buckets, which you need over the course of 82 games because there's going to be nights when you're not making shots, so you've got to find a way to manufacture points. Yeah, and we've seen that already, and it, it, it kind of leads perfectly into the, yep. the second point here in that Damian Lillard in the past hasn't been able to call on his teammates um, for subpar defensive effort because he's been in that same boat. And he's, he's recognized yep. that at multiple times in post-game press conferences. He's like, what am I going to yeah, do? Why, why can't I, I can't go yeah. out there and say that to him? Like, it's, it's there. Like, the, the fact well, that it took this long Dan, to remember, remember last year, I think it was uh, after the Brooklyn game on the road where they mm -hmm. gave up, like, I can't was remember like the number, 60 or 70 points in the first half. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, I think Myers Leonard actually went up to Dame and said, hey, you need to say something to the exactly. team. And yet Dame was in that situation where he said, look, I, I can't go and talk to the team about the defense because I'm not getting the job done. I'm a, I'm a part of the problem. And he recognized that if I go in there and try to chew guys out for not defending, they're going to look at me and know I'm a fraud because I'm part of the problem. Yeah. And and now, because he's paying a price, he's going to be able to look guys in the eyes and say, I need more from you, and, and they'll respect it. But last year, that wouldn't have worked. All right, so you're high on a lot of what Portland's done so far. We've got the rebounding. We've got the, the defense. We've got the, the effort and intensity. What are some things that have given you pause through the first 10 games? Uh, turnovers, um, the carelessness with the basketball, especially in the fourth quarter, is going to give me anxiety. I'll probably have an attack here in about another uh, couple of weeks. You've got to, you've got to value possessions and protect the basketball. They played their best game of the year uh, on Sunday against OKC, and they nearly gave the game away because of turnovers. Season high at 23. Mm -hmm. uh, carelessness with the basketball cost them at Utah. It cost them at Milwaukee, and carelessness cost them in that game um, against the Clippers at home. They, they have two good. When you got Damon CJ, two great ball handlers with a good handle, uh, you got to be better with the basketball. So I think those guys have got to be more secure. I think Nurkic has got to not be so lax a days ago with the passing. So they've got to clean up the turnovers. It's inexcusable for a team like this with that type of skill level to be that careless with the basketball. So I would say turnovers, number one. And number two, um, I'm still suspect on the bench. They have guys who can come in and, and fill a role like Ed Davis, Caleb Swanigan's effort. Um, you, you've got Evan Turner who can facilitate and he's very good against the opposing team point guards helping out defensively. But my big concern is this. Um, this team is still too reliant upon Dame and CJ to make buckets. And when they don't, if you're being honest with yourself, outside of Dame, CJ and Nurk, who is on the roster that you can get the ball to and rely on to get you a bucket when you're going through a drought? I would suggest that they have nobody. Um, and not only that, but the real way you, do, you define bench strength is if one of your starters goes down, who do you have on the bench that can step in and play meaningful minutes while your starter is down? I don't see that guy, and mostly it's behind Damon CJ at the guard position. That's my big concern. They don't have the scoring punch off the bench, and that's going to be a situation where it's going to cost them at times during the season because 
in the end, it's a flawed roster. And so my concern is just overall talent level. Um, and then outside of that, um, still not satisfied with the starting forwards. Alfred Camino and Mo Harkless have a role on this team, no doubt. But night to night, I think you can safely say that they just don't measure up to the other starting forwards in this league. And they're undersized. And that was a problem we saw against the Clippers. So uh, starting forwards, not satisfied with. Uh, lack of scoring punch off the bench is a problem. And the ball security is a major issue early through 10 games. Yeah, I, th I think those are all high on my list. The other one that's starting to kind of, you know, give me give me, give me a little pause and, and make me scratch is the, the fouls. Uh, the, the fouls <laughs> that's because, are yes, yeah. yikes. That's, part, that's probably because of the bad defense. Um, you, you normally, normally teams, Dan, will foul too much when they're out of position on defense and they reach. You're reaching. So that's part of. Yeah. yeah, that's part of being a better defensive team, being in position, uh, moving your feet, understanding uh, and communicating where you're supposed to be on the floor. I, I have to remind myself this is still one of the youngest rosters in the league. And yep. as they improve on the defensive end of the floor, they'll be in better position and, and they won't have to reach and, and, and have so many fouls because you're right. When you have a disparity at the foul line, it can cost you games, especially it, it did against the um, Clippers. The Western I mean, that it, did. It, yeah, they, it they absolutely did. The the. There's a difference in fouls that I think that some casual fans may not – I don't want to say they don't see or don't understand, but I think that's kind of how I'm going to phrase this. There's aggressive fouls, which, you know, fouling at the point of attack um, when you're yeah. going to make an aggressive play, and then there's stupid yeah. lazy fouls. Yeah, yeah, you, you don't want the lazy fouls. Uh, I don't mind an aggressive foul when someone's attacking the rim if you got to – you know, drop the hammer on someone. That's yep. good. You need to do that. There's times for that, but you're right. The lazy fouls when you're, you, when you're out of position. There's no hope. Fatigue. Yeah. 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 You can't do that. There's, there's been too many of those, particularly from the big three. That's what's kind yeah. of bothering. Like, like Damian Lillard racking up four fouls in a game, being aggressive, trying to get a steal, yeah. not, not a reach steal, but like trying to anticipate a passing lane and running somebody over, trying to get there. Like, that's just – that's something new for him. As good as yeah. Dame is positionally um, on the offensive end, the defensive end has never really quite been there. So, for him to kind of feel this process out, that that's okay. But yeah. to and give up on a play in reach, game right mm. now are turnovers and fouls. Nurkic has got yep. to – he's got to pay attention to detail and not get into foul trouble because when he has to go to the bench early in the first because he picks up a couple of cheapies – He's not helping his team when he's only playing 20 minutes a night. He's got to stay exactly. out of foul trouble. It is a concern, and and that's something that I'm sure that they've addressed. And you got to continue to put guys out there and and uh, work with them, encourage them, so they can you know continue to be in the right position and not commit those cheapies. The other thing here is, is as far as those two things go, what what do they, you know, what's the the the, the characteristic, the trait that they share? They're both mental. Yeah, that's mental. that's it's what it comes down to. It's a it's a it's a focus thing. Now we've seen over the past three games a much more focused use of Nurkic. Is is it is it fair to say that uh, we, we may need to call the CDC? <laughs> is, is, is a fever yeah, breaking out? It is breaking out, and I credit CJ McCollum for giving him that pep talk a, a few days ago, where he just basically pulled him aside and said, "Hey, Nurk." Um, you need to be yourself out there on the floor and don't be so soft because you're, you're skilled 
and you're, you got the touch, but don't be lackadaisical with your shot making. Go up and attack the rim, attack your defender, and be aggressive. He told him to play with the rage that he had against Houston or that inner rage that he had last year when he faced Denver. Play with that all the time. And then he had the awareness to tell him, look, big boy, we're only going to be as good as you are. And I felt like that pep talk really turned him loose. And then it's something that you pointed out. But ever since the Utah game, they've done a much better job of early on in games getting Nurk involved where he can get a couple of buckets, get some confidence. They've stopped, you know, trying to post him up and getting him more involved in that middle pick and roll, which is deadly. And ever since they've done that, Nurk has been a different player. He's playing like the Bosnian beast. And that's the exact type of player that I expected him to be. That's the type of player that's a lot of fun to watch. He energizes a team like nobody else. And the last three games, he's been sensational. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the statistical splits, the first seven games, he's averaging 12 and 7 on 40% shooting. That's that's yeah. not the Nurkic that, that they wanted here. Nope. And, and while I'm a, I'm a proponent of the traditional big man post-up, I, I enjoy it. I think Nurkic has the talent and the, the savvy and the skill, the size, everything that, that's necessary to be effective down there. He's still young. I, I, I think people forget that Nurkic is still a young cat. Like this is not He's just a kid. Yeah, this is not a 27 year old in prime, you know, ready to go big man. Like he's only been in the no, league a few years, and he's going to get better. Exactly. And so while I like to see them get him the ball on the post because I think he's he's got all the tool the requisite tools to be incredibly effective down there. Where he eats is on the pick and roll. And yeah, that, that's it's, it's a it's, great play. It's clearly evident. And it not only is good for him, not only is it put Nurk in a great position, Dan, but it puts Dame and yep. CJ uh, in a great spot where the defense has to react to make a decision. And they're going to get a lot of open looks from that play. And it, it's nearly impossible to stop. And Nurk has got a soft touch. So he's got that little runner that he can, you know, kind of throw up at the rim and score, or he can just get right at the rim and, and dunk or get fouled. It's uh it's my favorite play. I love watching it. And Damon CG have done a great job over the last three games of getting Nurk involved early because once he's engaged, he brings it on both ends of the floor and he plays with energy. And the last couple of games, he said, Hey, I've having fun out there. And when Nurk's having fun, that means great things for the team because he's out there dominating and energizing his teammates and uh, making a difference on the offensive end of the floor. And more importantly, it brings balance. Mm-hmm. You've got Damon CG on the outside, Nurk on the uh, block. And it brings that balance to the offense. And it's nice to know you've got a guy late in games you can go to to get you a bucket close at the rim, and he can do that. So, I am I mean, I love Nurkic. I love watching him play. He's my favorite player in the league. And I just – his his uh, his skill level is impressive, and it's fun to watch. And you're right. He's just young. He's going to get better. And the better he gets – and like, like CJ said, he, the team's only going to be as good as, as he is. And right now he's playing terrific. I mean, we saw that really – manifest itself at the end of the OKC game it, it, <laughs> yeah. right now. I mean, we're, we're talking about this, this, this game as a win because CJ knocked down those shots. But what, what was the thing that happened before CJ nailed those shots from the wing? It was Nurk, it was it Nurk, was Nurk on Nurk. the roll, Nurk yep. on the roll and kick over and over again, every play down the stretch that didn't end in an immediate foul by the thunder was initiated off a of Damon Nurk pick and roll. They right. weren't they weren't hiding yeah. anything. They weren't disguising anything. They're saying, "Okay, here's our best set. Stop it." And that's yeah. that's a heck that's, of a way to go. No, and 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 you know, and I think the major, you know, people out there who are 
you know, listening and, and watch this team, they understand the situation. They know what Nurkic is about. And, and every basketball team, the good ones, they, they have a bread and butter play that they can go to to get a bucket when they need it most. And the Blazers have that with that screen and roll with Nurkic involving either Dame or CJ. And the fact that they can go to that at key stretches of games and either get a good look for Nurk close to the rim or get Dame or CJ open and Nurkic's set, Nurk such a tough pick. It, it, it's just great to have a bread and butter play, and it's exciting. All right, so something we have to talk about here is Nurkic's declaration or desire to be the bad boys. Now, yes. now, personally, I think he's brought an attitude to this team that this team has desperately needed for years. This team has, has needed in, in, in a jerk. They've needed an a-hole for yes. for years. Like I think every good to great team needs that guy. For the Warriors yes. they've got Draymond. Uh if you look at the the Heat, LeBron was kind of that guy. LeBron embraced the villain uh and when he was yes. in Miami. Um you, the Spurs are probably the only team that don't really have that guy as in one, but they've got Danny Green who's kind of out there just being a pest and causing issues for people. Um but if you look up and down every Good to great team. They've got that guy. Now, you don't think that Nurk is fully embraced this. Is, is, that, is, is that a fair way to phrase this? Um, well, no. I, here's what I think, and this is what I've discovered about Nurkic. I do believe he's tough, and I do believe he brings an attitude to this team that is absolutely necessary because, frankly, before he arrived last year, this was one of the softest teams in the league. Mm-hmm. They had no intimidation factor whatsoever. I'm sorry, but... Mason Plumlee does not scare anyone, no one, not even close. He's no matter soft. how hard he works. No, Nurkic comes in with his size and his length and his body, and he's a little, he's got a little crazy in him, which I love. Like, if you, if you mess with Dame or CJ or anyone else on the team, he's going to be right there to support his teammates. He's going to give you the Mike Evans the lane, treatment. That, that Mike Evans yes. treatment that we just saw for Jameis. That, that suspension is justified, but I think everybody on that Tampa Bay team – is sitting there saying, you know, quietly, nice job, Mike. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So he brings that to the table, and it's awesome. Now, the one thing I have noticed is that he also, he at the end of the day, he's a Euro, and he brings <laughs> a European flavor to the floor like a lot of those guys do. And with that, you know, they, he probably grew up a soccer fan. So you're going to have times where he's going to sell a call. Um, he may flop a little bit. And we saw him after taking that elbow from Mello on Sunday night where he spent an, an extended period of time on the floor. Now, to his credit, he took an and one for Mello and got it turned around into a flagrant two and got him booted from the game. And that was an advantage for the Blazers. So I'm never going to complain about the Blazers gaining an advantage, which will lead to a victory. I just think it's comical to hear Nurk talk about being a, quote, bad boy and then lying on the floor like he just got shot in the face by a sniper. I thought that was comical, but look, someone made a great point the other night. He said, you ever, did you notice that Nurk, when he started playing better this year, it was when he was back to being himself. CJ told him to be himself. Mm-hmm. I am much, I much more prefer Nurkic out there, uh, being himself, bringing that flavor to the game and dominating. And if that means he's going to get into somebody's dome, if he's going to flop or he's going to spend a little extra period of time on the floor after he gets uh, takes an elbow, then so be it. I want him to be him, and that just means that he's going to bring a Euro feel to the game, and I'm okay with that. It is what it is. 
you, you want you, you want guys to be genuine. And I think Nurk, what we've seen in the last three games, when he's out there being himself, talking a little bit of junk, we saw him whispering in uh, Patrick Patterson's ear on Sunday. That's the Nurkic we want, where he's getting under guy's skin, he's being tough and making plays. I can live with that. See, Nurkic is a troll. I, I, there's, there's, for me, there's no other way to put it. And that's exactly I, what he does. And he, it's good yeah, because it's, it pisses guys off. Exactly. And here's the thing. The, the flopping, the flailing, the, the milking it, the, the staying down, the, the acting, the Euro, all that stuff. I think that's part the, the excessive of, conversation mm-hmm. with officials at all times. I, I think that's part of the bad boys. Cause I mean, you look at, I mean, you go back and watch the bad boys. You go back and watch Lambeer. Lambeer did all of that. He sold the fouls. He he flopped. He flailed. Don't get me wrong. He also laid more wood than anybody probably in NBA history. But he he and, was and Draymond he was an actor. Too. Yeah, Draymond is this thing? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Watch if, a Warriors game. You will hear Draymond Green yell and one a half dozen yes. times, and nobody will be anywhere near him. But he's he's just yeah, we, selling it every single time. Yes, De- Nurkic has that type of flavor where he is going to be annoying to the opponents, but that's okay because Nurkic knows what he's doing out there. He's getting under guy's skin. He's going to continue to dominate. And when he's being himself and having fun, it's a good thing. So the players need to embrace that and realize that we have a Draymond Green. His name is Yusuf Nurkic and that's okay. I mean, how long have we talked about this where we need a guy like that? We've got that now in Yusuf Nurkic and uh, I love watching him play his skill level, the way he does everything, but also knowing that, He's going to have his teammates back and be tough and at the same time talk a little junk and flex his uh, bag a little bit. I'm cool with that, man. I want more of that. Yeah, I mean, the last time the Blazers had anybody with any this kind of moxie as far as intimidation, um, getting under people's skin, it was Joel Prisbilla, and he didn't have the talent to really carry it night no. in, night out. He had all, no, he, he had all the extras, but he didn't have the skill yeah. to, to, to really, you know, it, it imposes will uh, on yeah. you know the mental uh, front lines as well as the box score. So to be able to have that yeah. on this team, it, it's it's huge. Now we're twenty seven minutes into a podcast right now, and other than defense, we haven't mentioned one Damian Lillard. Yeah, and that's crazy to think about when we talk about this Blazers team being six and four, which is a solid start, right? Considering the games that they've dropped. I mean, they've been in every game. It's been some stupid yeah, plays. They, they should have a better record. I'm not satisfied with six and four. They should be better. They should, should probably be eight, eight and two right now. I, I can, I can push it to seven and three, eight and two to me is a little, a little far, but I can understand it that you're, it's not, it's not a, a, a reach by any means. Well, so the reason why I say that is because they had three turnovers on their final four possessions in Milwaukee. They, they blew the game against the Clippers and they're up by six with three minutes to play in Utah, and they blew it. So, yeah, I think they should be eight and two. But the the, the, the great Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says you are. Exactly. And they're six and four because they've made mistakes. You're right. Now, the first couple games, um, Lillard kind of rose, raised some eyebrows around because his field goal percentage was, was pretty substandard, uh, even for him. Mm-hmm. He's not a guy who – who lights it up as far as, you know, the box score stats are concerned for uh, efficiency. Um, however, like Nurkic, over the past three games, he has been on an absolute tear. 34 points, nearly nine assists, seven rebounds, shooting 48% from the floor, and perfect from the free throw line. 
you can't ask for more from a superstar, right? No, he's he's their, he's their meal ticket, and he's going to bring it. He's very consistent. He makes it look easy. I thought his game Sunday against OKC was one of the best games of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, he shot a high percentage. Um, he was very efficient. He finished terrifically around the rim, but he set the tone early with seven assists in the first quarter. Which is crazy uh, for him. Got, it is. He got the ball movement going. He got his teammates involved, and I thought he had a great feel for the game where he, he knew when to pick his spots, when to attack and score and when to get his teammates involved. He had 13 assists on the night. It's one of the best games he's played, and um, I guess the best way I can describe it is that on a night when there were superstars out there on both sides with Westbrook and Paul George and all these other guys, Dane was the best player on the floor on Sunday, and that was one of his best games, and and that's the maturation process, knowing that, you know what, I got to get my guys involved, and that type of unselfish play got the team rolling early, and uh, and you could see the uh, you know the impact it had. It was terrific. But yet in the third quarter, when they were struggling a bit, he picked up the offense and scored 14 points in the period. So that was one of his better games. He's playing lights out, and that's what we expect from him. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll take 36, 36 13, and five every night. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. That would be fantastic. But that's to expect awesome. that that that's that's crazy. Um, no, no. But if Damian Lillard has figured out, and again, this is one game, and this is my my overreaction. But if he's figured out how to get his teammates involved early to get defenses on their heels all night long, the NBA mm-hmm. should be terrified. Because that's, yeah, something he's, no that's something he hasn't done in the past. That's my only qualm outside of defense with, with Damian Lillard's game in his entire career wasn't that he was selfish. It's just his pacing wasn't always the best when it came to getting other guys involved. Like, there are times when in the first quarter he, he'd go completely ham, and that's fine. But if you're going to do that, now you've kind of set the tone, and now you've got to get other guys involved too. Otherwise, it's going to end up being a longer night. You've no, got to work hard. He's maturing. Yeah, he's maturing. He's, he's, he's understanding the nuance of the game. He's just uh, – his trajectory is unreal, and he's a terrific player. I'm just thankful the Blazers have him, and that game on Sunday was one of the best I've seen. All right, so – Blazers are six and four right now. You, your, your prognostication, your belief, your, your, your gold standard for them coming out of this massive homestand early season is 12 and four. Yes. How likely do you see them now getting to 12 and four? I mean, there's, there's six games coming up. There's, they're winnable games. All of them are winnable games. Yeah. Aside from the game against Memphis tonight, which Memphis is a tough matchup, but after that, You've got a bunch of bums rolling into the Moda Center, and you've got a home and home with the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I expect 12 and four, um, and anything less than that's going to be highly disappointing. They've got to string together wins. This is the most critical stretch in the season because they're they're at home, and the schedule is only going to get more difficult, especially at the end of the season. So take advantage of the opportunities now. Pile up wins at home, and you put yourself in a better position in the standings so you can absorb some of those long and difficult road games and the difficult stretch at the end of the year. So, yes, the next six games are critical. They've got to string together wins, and that's going to start with a tough one against Memphis tonight. But after that, Brooklyn, Orlando, Sacramento twice, Denver. Those are games they should win, and I expect them to win. The only ones in there that that give me pause are tonight's game. Obviously, we're recording here on Monday. Um, against uh, the Grizzlies, then the as weird as this may sound, the Orlando Magic. 
who are playing lights out right now. And then well, the, they won. They won at the Motor Center last year. Yeah, that, that's the other thing that kind of makes me. Alfred Payton is a guy that doesn't put up gaudy numbers, but he is he is a, a guy in the past that has given Damian Lillard just fits because he's. I understand, but but here's my point, Dan. If you're going to be a legitimate contender yeah. in the West, you cannot drop home games to the Orlando to the Magic of Denver. Orlando yep. and Brooklyn. You just got to go out and take care of business. You know, that, that's what it comes down to. You can't blow those games. That's why I expect them to win because I, I have high expectations and I'm not going to make excuses for this group. They've got to be a better home team and they've got to take advantage of the Eastern Conference this year if they're going to put themselves in a good position in the West. No excuses. Go out there and find a way to get a win and move on to the next game. No, that's that's, that's perfect. And that, I think that's that's the separating point between this is a, another year for this team, or are they a competitor? Yeah. Don't, don't tell me on how the Magic have this or that. You know, I, I'm not going to make excuses <laughs> for this team. The Magic come to town, you kick their face in. They're the Magic. They, they're not good. They're not a great team. Even if they you were good, you can't, to the magic. you can't act like the Magic are good. Like, you can't give no, them that respect. Like no. even, even if they came in 12-0, for them. It, it, it's yeah, one of those no. things where if you're a team that's trying to be the team on the rise – you have yeah, to you, you have to go into every game not underestimating your opponent but knowing that you're better and i think yeah, that's you, a you learning have to. process you got to go out and execute yes yes win 6 and 0 over the next 6 get to 12 and 4 before your first extended road trip and then and then we'll move on from there but yes and, tonight's and pray to the tough. basketball is no joke. oh i love it i Cause, love it cuz that schedule so, after this homestand gets done that's that brutal. schedule is devastating to say the no, least. Got like, it. They, don't screw around. Take advantage of the opportunities now because games that you blow in the beginning of the year will come back to bite in the ass. All right, I can't let you go here without getting your feel, your take on, on my guy because I, I, I have adopted him as my adult son, uh, Caleb Swanigan. What, what's your, what's your initial uh, feel on him? Uh, he's he's probably the, the most refined offensive power forward they have on the squad. Love his energy, his energy level, his hustle plays. He's just going to continue to put pressure on the coaches to find ways to get him into games. Um, I understand why Terry Stotts doesn't play him a ton of minutes right now, but he will work his way into more minutes as the season moves along. He's tough, he's hungry, and he's only going to get better. All right, Chad, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you, buddy. All right, check me out um, at uh, Rip City Radio 620, home of the Portland Trailblazers, 3 to 6 in the afternoons, Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. And I'm with you before... And after every Trailblazer game uh, with warm-up that starts two hours before tip-off and following the game with the fifth quarter, taking your calls and reacting to the action on Twitter, at Chad in Rip City. There you go, folks. My guy, Chad, Chad doing. Chad, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, always love having you on. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely bring you back in. We'll, we'll do our, our usual visit around probably the All-Star game again. Uh, and then hopefully uh, things are going better uh, this time around <laughs> than they were last year. Sounds great, buddy. Dan, everyone out there uh, in Blazers Edge, uh, always appreciate the time. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can, as always, you can find us on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Uh, at almightyballer.com. You can find us, of course, at blazersedge.com, part of iTunes and a part of everywhere else where you need for your uh, podcast network because I'm just going to stumble over myself for the rest of this. And uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll go ahead and have you back next time. Thanks, guys.